Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jesus Unmasked, our weekly Bible study here on the Raven Foundation page and on the Clackamas United Church of Christ page. We are going to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how revolutionary she was this week. But first, I am Adam Erickson, and I am here, as always, with my friend and colleague at the Raven Foundation, Lindsay Perez-Lopez. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, Adam. How's it going today? All right. How are you? I'm doing fine. I am excited about Mary, because there's something about Mary. I can't believe I made that reference. <laughs> Oh man, showing my age right there. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering how that, you know, just thinking that reference is probably too old for a lot of our. I, that makes me feel old. Like, really not that old. Not movie. that old of a movie, but um, anyway, there, Mary's Mary's awesome, and this is such an important text for so many reasons, including that for many. For many years, women have been silenced in the church. Uh, women in some churches still are not allowed to be ordained and be pastors. Some of them even don't allow women to teach in the church. Here, Mary is um, telling us something really important, <laughs> and, we, and we should listen to her. So um, do you want to go ahead and read this? This is just a little setup. This is Mary has, uh, I think, been told about the birth of her son, Jesus, uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And she has this moment, uh, she meets with her cousin Elizabeth, and then she just kind of, this song comes out of her, uh, and it's revolutionary. Uh, it's politically revolutionary, it's uh, revolutionary for our understanding of God, and we're going to get to all of that, and I'm so excited, I'm just going to shut up now and let Lindsay read the passage. It's, it's a pretty awesome passage. So this is Mary's song of praise, or the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Um, yeah. 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 Um, what, what are your first thoughts about this? And we've got some folks who are watching. And if you all have comments or questions about uh, this passage, feel free to put those in the comment section and we will bring them in. But um, Lindsay, what, what, what strikes you about this passage? You said that you wanted to read it because you're a woman and Mary is speaking. So you should be the one to speak uh, with her. So what do you think? I mean, yeah, I... This is an absolutely amazing, um, it's an amazing throwdown. And just think of how, just think of how badass it is for this, say, 14-year-old girl, I think. Um, yeah, she's, she's really, really young, unwed, um, for her to have so much faith that generations will call her blessed when she is probably quite literally in the most precarious position that anyone can be in. And not just a, you know, um, she trusts, she has to trust in God a lot. She also has to trust in, um, she has to trust in, in God who will, who is not necessarily on the side of the powerful because she's in a position where as, as much as she's talking about how powerful she is, she's in a position where she's kind of at the mercy of a patriarchal culture, um, a husband who could kick her out or, or, or could kill her. Um, she had to have faith that he wouldn't, I guess. Um, she had to have faith in his kindness. She has faith in the kind of God who would love someone in, in her position. And it's just, it's just kind of amazing. It's, I had more thoughts in my head than words. Um, I mean, if I were in her position, I don't know if I'd have that kind of faith to think, you know, to be happy <laughs> about being young, unwed, and pregnant in a patriarchal culture that could, where I wouldn't necessarily have much power. Um, she had so much faith that the life inside her was going to change everything. That's... I guess that's what every pregnancy should be like. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I have never been pregnant. Um, but I can imagine <laughs> that it, it's full of all kinds of mixed emotions. And uh, I'm sure that Mary has all of those. I mean, as you say, like, she's an unwed mother and uh, she's at least going to experience some amount of shame uh, from being an unwed mother and being pregnant. Um, like we have that here in the United States too. So she's willing to risk at least this massive shame, if not, as you say, like potentially like worse, like being killed. Um, but she also does this, 
the thing that's revolutionary about this is that is the way that she talks about God. Uh, God is not, she says, with the powerful. In fact, God brings down the powerful. And during during right about this time is when um, uh, is is when some of the powerful leaders uh, died at, at, during during Jesus, like Herod uh, died right about the time when Jesus is born or maybe before. Uh, and she talks about how God brings the powerful down. <laughs> Those who use their power to oppress people is what she's talking about. There's a power that is for the poor and the weak and the marginalized. And there's a power that is against them, that is oppressive. And the thing that, one of the things that's so powerful about this that you know makes it powerful is that there are certain countries that have banned reading Mary's Magnificat in liturgical, in church settings because it's so revolutionary. It's inspired revolutionary movements uh, against oppressive powers for generations. Um, so especially in Latin America, this it was banned in many countries. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I honestly didn't know that. That is, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that um, overthrows the powerful. And <laughs> it's, I mean, when you say that, it reminds me of slave masters who wanted to teach just enough uh, Christianity to um, to make docile servants, but not enough to make people yeah. want to rise up. And uh, the the scriptures that were read to them were were just incredibly heavily edited. Um, so. I mean that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, this scripture has been used to oppress and to liberate, and this is among the most liberating passages in in all of scripture. And it's um, and it's told from the perspective of a of a fourteen year old girl. I'm I don't know right now. My mind just flashed to Greta Thunberg and like yeah, Emma Lala and and you know who run the world girls and you know um all that yeah they so. would encourage our uh I'll, I'll put this in the uh comment section but there's a, a washington post article from a few years ago called mary's magnificat in the bible is revolutionary some evangelicals silence her so it's not just countries that uh this article points to are uh india and Guatemala and Argentina have officially banned uh, the Magnificat from, in the past, have banned it from being read. Um, but churches have also, much like churches have silenced women throughout the generations, it's also silenced this passage from Mary. Uh, this, this article says that uh, it, it uh, interviewed a bunch of evangelicals and said, have you heard of Mary's Magnificat? And many of them will say, "No, what are you talking about?" <laughs> they'll and then they'll they'll put it on and they'll say, "I we don't read this in church. We we've, we've never read this. Why? Uh, because it's a strong woman who 
teaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there yeah. it is right there in the Bible. And uh, we want it, certain churches want to suppress even this in the United States because it's a strong, powerful woman. We've, yeah. we've made Mary into this meek and mild uh, little girl who's got the blue robe and stuff. That's not Mary at all. Mary's Mary's here, as you said earlier, Lindsay, for a political throwdown. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she is so, she's so amazing. I, um, as I was praying a couple nights ago, I had this revelation, um, thinking of Jesus and thinking of how, um, thinking of how if Jesus really shares our full humanity, then he was born knowing absolutely nothing the way the way babies are. And okay, actually babies do learn. I, I think babies have like some, I mean, I think there's some things that um, affect the brain within the womb from the environment, but basically babies come into the world helpless and not knowing and I think this is a kind of a philosophical theological debate like what did Jesus know even as a baby did he have just was he just all God knowledge in this little tiny package and I I mean no not if he shared our full humanity um he had to grow in faith he had to learn and who was teaching him who was showing him that God is love and that God loves the, the powerless and the weak? Who was showing him that God loves the refugees because, because she was carrying him when they were both refugees, carrying him to, to Egypt along with Joseph? Um, it's Mary. I mean, Mary... Mary not only believes in the power of the child within her, but she is such, she is probably the most crucial part of making him who he is. Well, just to back you up on that, uh, in the very next chapter of Luke, in Luke chapter two, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom over time. Mm -hmm. So he's, you're you're exactly right. He's learning uh, from his humanly parent and his divine parent um what it means to be human and and divine over time uh and i imagine one of his greatest models must have been his mother mary uh because she had this passion for justice and uh so did jesus agnes asks uh that's a beautiful point of view who taught jesus about love mary yeah that's really well yeah, put. She did. It's, it's it's amazing. I mean, I was just I was just praying. Um, I was praying something along the lines of Jesus, help me have faith in you. And um, it occurred to me that Jesus can help me have faith because Jesus had to learn faith himself. Like the whole, not just having it, but the whole process of gaining it. And it, you know, but you don't just get that out of nowhere it god is always revealed in the people around us always and sometimes the picture is very distorted because we mess things up 
But Mary knows what she's talking about when she speaks of God. She speaks of a God who is merciful, but also, well, no buts. God is merciful, period. But who, who, who does not side with the powerful. Um, I used to think this was actually kind of violent towards the powerful. And I mean, I, I don't really see it that way anymore. If you are, if you are too full, you need to be emptied. And that's what love looks like when you're too full. If you're too full of pride, if you're, if you're consuming too much, um, of anything of goods or, um, and you're, you know, you're doing so in such a way that it's not, you're not giving to others. Um, You will, you will go away empty, like Mary yeah. says. Yeah, yeah. Holly you says have to be empty to be filled with with the right kind of understanding. You have to be yeah. empty to be refilled with something better. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Holly says, "My father always says the gift of faith comes from my mother, or comes from the mother." That's. Um, that's beautiful. Quite a lot of pressure, I must say. <laughs> I like that, but Holly, your father, I love the way that, I love that it's your dad that said that, first off. That's fantastic. Um, but it, it also points to the, to the gift of faith, what faith is. It's, it's a gift, and we often think, well, does God give it to you, or... If some people are given that gift, does God hold it from other people? No, it's a, it's a, it's it's shared amongst mm -hmm. us. I think, as you said earlier, Lindsay, like you see God in people, and are we able to share that gift with one another as we hold people up, uh, as we help live into faith with one another? Mm -hmm. uh, ho Holly, you're pointing to, Holly says, give it away to keep it. And I think, Holly, you are pointing to what uh, one of my friends called spiritual physics. Uh, and that is this uh, counterintuitive idea that the more love you give away, the more faith you give away, uh, the more it builds up inside of you. Um, that's what they call spiritual physics. So Holly, you are absolutely right on uh, with that point. I love it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I glanced at the Girardian lectionary, which we use to, um, to help us study before we, before we comment. But um, I just found something in some of the introductory material that I hadn't really looked at before. Mm -hmm. And it basically says God is the only fully human. We are fragments of humanity because we are not whole on our own. We need each other. So we call ourselves human. Um, but what humanity is, is the living image of God. And so I'm not, I'm not reducing God to humanity. I'm saying if we understand our interconnection that's how we elevate ourselves 
to God. And um, Jesus, I, I mean, <laughs> Mary, um, Mary recognized herself as an instrument of God. And um, instead of, instead of not, you know, instead of identifying God as the one who gives the power, the powerful, she recognized her small and um, vulnerable self as an instrument of God, as a part of God, as a bearer of God. Um, that's pretty amazing stuff. And it's, it's kind of, it's amazing to wonder what the world would be like if every child was brought up with that kind of, um, with that, with, with a mother that faithful, because that's how faith would spread. And by faith, I mean, love for your neighbor, I mean, um, the desire for justice and understanding what your part is in bringing it about. <sighs> These are just kind of off the top of my head thoughts. I really didn't think all of this through. This um, passage just gives me new thoughts every time. No, it's great. Um, the, the only thing that I would add, I guess, is that at the very end, there's this reference to the promise made to our ancestor Abraham, and that refers to the, um, the the promise that God makes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, uh, where God blesses Abraham. And we often think of this as, you know, God is giving Abraham and his descendants a blessing, and aren't we special because we're descendants of Abraham? But that's not it at all. The, the blessing to Abraham is for Abraham to share it with all the families of the earth, according to Genesis 12. So Mary is referring all the way back to the very beginnings of her religious tradition of, of Judaism and saying, this is what we're going to live out now. This revolutionary way of life is not so much something new now, but it's something radically ancient and radically new today as well because we're going to live out this god desire for us to share our blessings with all the families of the earth and that's as revolutionary today as it was 2000 and what 6000 years ago yeah um it's always ancient and it's always brand new and it's always right now um this this call to live into our into our fullest selves by loving by loving with every ounce of ourselves every single person and every single part of creation um that's that's really i mean that kind of act of love is really what the call is all about and it's it's eternal but to say it's eternal might kind of mask how how urgent and um, immediate it is too. So. Yeah, I mean, you talk about current events and uh, COVID and having to stay home and businesses having to shut down. I just saw a story this morning about a, a restaurant owner who's 
having to shut down her whole life uh, and is worried about not being able to get it back. What does being a blessing to that family mean during this time? Uh, yeah, a part of what is revolutionary about this too is that we tend to we tend to focus on charity as Christians, which I think is one of the reasons that they don't want to read Mary's Magnificat, because it's much more than about charity. It's about justice. Why are the rulers, uh, why are the, the powerful brought down from their thrones? Because they didn't use their political power to help those in need. That's mm -hmm. why. And so Mary's saying, along with the ancient prophets, Mary's taking a very prophetic role here. She's a prophet. And she's saying, if, if rulers don't care for those who are in need, if they turn a blind eye to them, they're going to fall. And uh, I'm not making any current political statement <laughs> by saying that. This is just ancient, ancient prophetic wisdom that the Bible brings forth and that Mary brings forth, too. Uh, so and, and it's, you know, it's more than just they didn't care for the most vulnerable. I mean, there's a step beyond that to what kind of what kind of human system where we're all living together puts anyone on a throne in the first place? Um, if the throne means above everyone. And I, I know that the Bible is full of imagery about the kingdom of God and the throne of God, but when Jesus comes and shows us what that is, he gets down below the chairs and washes feet. That's the kind of, um, you know, to show that the greatest among you will become a servant. There's really no place for a throne at all in that, in that, um, in that way of living in that kind of community. Um, I mean, we do have leaders and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have leadership. I do think that that's important for organizing today, but, um, I don't know. I, I, leadership is service. That's what, that's what real leadership is. So. Amen to that. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, Agnes and Holly, for your comments. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. And um, Mary, such a badass. I love it. Uh, you, can, uh, you can join us again next week here on the Raven Foundation page and on the Plaquemines United Church of Christ page at 5 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Pacific next Wednesday. And uh, if you aren't subscribed to us on uh iTunes and Stitcher or wherever else you are. Uh, watch, listen to your podcast. You can find us on Jesus Unmasked, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe there. So um, Agnes, badass indeed. I love it. So uh, okay, friends, um, until next week, grace and peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.